and go for it. Okay. Father, uh, good morning. We, um, and we come before you and we thank you for, uh, as always, uh, giving us, uh, giving us instruction to, to see your character. Uh, Lord, we ask that uh, today that we, um, as we chew through your word, that we get to see your character more and more, Lord, and it, it, it produces more and more desire to uh, seek after you. Pray for each one of us. Uh, also pray for Rita this morning. <clears throat> she was taken to the hospital uh, last night. Uh, I pray that uh, your hand is, is over her and that, uh, that you will heal her. But Lord, most of all, if, if, um, if that is not in your will, we pray for her salvation, Lord. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Who is Rita? I don't know. I just felt like I want to pray for Rita. <laughs> no. She's a, a friend of a friend. Pardon me? She married to Marga? Yeah. Marga, Rita. <laughs> is it Casarius' mom? Uh, no, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, 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 Clay's, Clay's friend who, yeah, he just messaged me and said, hey, she's, she was taken to the hospital last night. They think she's having a stroke, but they're not 100% sure. And uh, I texted him this morning. He said, there's no, uh, no report yet. So he's just watching their house. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look over at Romans three. Um, so you guys know the past couple of weeks, we've kind of turned a corner in Romans um, from really, really densely packed theology, the first uh, 11 chapters of Romans and um, kind of turns the corner from 12 through the rest of the letter on now how do we live this good news this gospel out and uh he starts kind of that hinge in in chapter 12 with um in light of god's mercy or in view of god's mercy offer your bodies as living sacrifices and so um we've spent a couple weeks just saying hey in in view of god's mercy what so for 11 chapters, he's laid out God's mercy. What, what does he mean by that? What are the mercies of God towards you and me? And so just before we uh, move forward into the next chapter, into 13, I just wanted to refresh us on the gospel, the good news of the mercy of God. So I'm just going to read Romans 3, 21 through 26, um, as a refresher on the mercies of God. And then together, we'll, we'll move back into Romans 13. So Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. <clears throat> so as we reflect back on the mercies of God and then think forward of, of how we ought to live daily in light of his mercy, 
Um, I've just been so moved by the thought the past couple of years in verse 26 that God is both just and the justifier. It's Paul's way of saying that through Jesus on the cross, um, God remains completely just as a just judge who punishes every sin and wrongdoing um, like a just judge would. And yet he finds mercy for you and me because Jesus received that just punishment on our behalf. And so God remains fully just and yet fully merciful towards you and me. Uh, and that's only through the work of Jesus. And so when we reflect back and think about the mercies of God and in view of those, offer our bodies, um, every part of ourselves to him as a living sacrifice we remember that God is both just and merciful, and that's through Jesus. And so uh, in light of that, let's flip uh, over to Romans 13. If we could just share the reading, and uh, whoever wants to lead us off, um, only about 14 verses. So uh, somebody can take a paragraph or so, and uh, let's just read the whole chapter together. Romans 13. I'll start. All right. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake mm -hmm. for because of you, you also pay taxes for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything. <clears throat> Except, love, uh, except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, uh, not in the orgies and drunkenness, and not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Amen. All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, these first seven verses, not uh, easy verses in the, the day we live in, um, even harder verses to understand, obey, and practice in the day this was written and, and, and uh, read. 
So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at maybe three other passages scripture has for us um, that kind of come beside Paul's words here in Romans 13. And then I just want to ask the question for us in the room, um, for those who are willing to share as we read these passages, what's the most difficult about these verses in scripture for us to either understand or to practice and obey. So I'm going to ask that question after we read them. But if we could share the reading, I put uh, in the chat there three references. So if somebody would take Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. If somebody would take Titus 3, 1 through 2. Um, actually take Titus 3, 1 through 3, if you would. And then somebody take 1 Peter 2. 13 through 17. And let's just read those in light of what we just read in, in Romans 13 and, and ask the question, um, what's the most difficult about these words for us to wrestle with and then also to, to practice? Love to hear from each of you. As you guys turn there, Sean, I had maybe kind of a question. You, I think you could speak well to this. It seems to be um, that in Genesis 9, after uh, Noah and his family get off the boat and establish, God establishes a covenant with them after the flood. It seems to be the first time God seems to give humans the right to execute justice. He, in mm -hmm. Genesis 9, 6, he, he kind of begins to introduce this idea to Noah, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. If one person sheds the blood of another, um, uh, blood for blood, because uh, you just murdered or harmed the image of God. Uh, would you agree with that? That seems to be the first time God seems to be sharing some of his authority of, of justice down with the humans. Yeah, that's the, that's the first time I see it, um, which is interesting because in three toward the, or excuse me, in two, when he gives the command, uh, when he, when he, um, um, tells us in scripture what the purpose for humanity is and that it's to reflect God and we're to, to, um, uh, to rule the world based on his attributes. Um, it seems like there's no mandate at that point to enact justice, but then once the world falls mm -hmm. and you get to the, after the noatic, you know, action there, it, it seems to be where, uh, where God says, okay, now, you guys are going to to uh, uh, be responsible for justice, which is interesting because um, it's a fallen world, a grossly fallen world. Yet mm -hmm. we're still given the the uh, um, knowing that uh, knowing that we are um, we are in a sin nature and and um, uh, not able to reflect God as mm -hmm. we were intended to do. Yet He's still given us the the, uh, the responsibility to enact justice upon, uh, yeah, upon the, yeah. the world. Yeah, I think it's a super helpful backdrop as we read these passages. And Sean, I think you first brought my attention to this, that if you look at the first 12 chapters of Genesis, Tennessee, <clears throat> after sin is introduced in Genesis 3, the author is making note that God's presence is like slowly but surely being removed from the earth. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know if you would want to explain that a little better than I just did, but it seems to be there in, in Genesis 9, it seems to be one of the culminating kind of consequences of that, of God saying, 
Um, now humans are, are going to execute justice towards one another. Um, and ultimately, when there's injustice in the earth, it, it makes us ache and long for, oh, but, but, but we want a just judge. Um, we don't like how humans judge and execute justice or injustice toward one another. And it's this longing for like God's presence back down here with us executing justice. So I don't know if you would explain that differently, but there seems to be um, that going on in the backdrop. And then as we read these passages, uh, I think we can fill in some more. So, yeah. But yeah. if you have almost more, like throw it in. <clears throat> no, not really. Just it almost seems like he's giving us, um, he's allowing us to to have what we desired at the tree to to yeah. to define good and evil for ourselves and, and allowing us to see that um, with broken people, there's going to be completely broken justice, almost like um, it's going to get so bad. You're going to cry out for my justice. Mm -hmm. That's well said, really well said. So in line of that, let's read these passages. And then I think it's up to us to wrestle with kind of that longing, that ache for justice. Uh, but what do we do in a, in a broken world? Um, and so, uh, who's got Mark 12, 13 through 17? I do. All right. Thanks, Connie. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. God, and they marveled at him. You can, thank you, Connie. You can see um, Paul in Romans 13, verse 7, almost taking that story, that interaction between the religious leaders and Jesus, and just kind of expecting you to remember that story, and he plugs it into verse 7 of, of Romans 13. By the way, it's, it's kind of a side note, but I love that the religious leaders come up to Jesus and say, we know you're not swayed by anyone's opinion, yeah. which they're being cheeky and kind of sneaky. But to me, that's just the greatest compliment. Um, that's something I long for uh, to grow and mature in Christ likeness of like, we can tell that you don't give a rip about what people think you, uh, you know, where you stand. And I, I think that's really cool about Jesus. It's a backhanded compliment. They just don't know it. Um, so hang on to that one. And then, uh, somebody got Titus three, just take the first couple verses of Titus three. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humanity to everyone. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. That's great. Um, and then 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be by the emperor as supreme or the two government as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. 
for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood for brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. All right, thanks, Ron. And I forgot one more I had in my notes here. I'll just read it. First Timothy 2, first couple of verses. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if you were to maybe just line up those four or five passages, I know it's a lot of content, to try and keep in our mind, but um, hopefully you see the threads and the commonalities between them. If you're to just kind of line those up next to each other, these passages, what do you what do you struggle with? Um, what about that is hard to grasp in the day we live in, the world we live in? And what's the hardest thing for you to take these words and put into practice? Well, I'm thinking about this whole thing going on in Afghanistan right now. Yeah, you know, that is their government over there. So we're supposed to be accepting <clears throat> of them killing off people. Mm. And, you know, our president who's gone on really made really, I feel, in my opinion, poor decisions the way he's done this. And we're supposed to just basically stand by and agree with that. I mm. I'm also with the issue of abortions, we're supposed to just stand back and just say it's OK because the government says it's OK. Hmm. I'm not really sure. That's a really a fine line. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and hold a sign and protest, but I'm not going to, if somebody asks an opinion, I'm going to say, you know, I don't agree with our government doing that. Is that being non-honoring to the, our emperors and leaders? Right. I think you're raising a really good tension that we're all feeling, Ron, is how do I practice what scripture is calling me to <clears throat> but not condone wicked and godly decisions? Um, like abortion and seeing people oppressed and injustice, right? So you're raising that tension. And so maybe I just asked the class, is, is respecting and submitting to your leaders the same as agreeing with them? I think is a good conversation we could and, and should have here. Uh, anybody else? What, what do you think and feeling? Well, I think, um, I think as American, and we're talking about Romans 13 context, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I think as Americans, we've been uh, society is, is really pushed and, and encouraged this individualism uh, through the Constitution. And I think we face a lot of issues. Um, for instance, um, what do we do with uh, and John will relate to this and, and Ron as well and Dennis that uh, what do we do with the idea that uh, firearm restriction, you know, if the government decides they're going to come for our firearms we have a constitution mm -hmm. and and we um we do we turn them in or do we uh keep them and i think that you know as a as a firearms enthusiast um it stings but i think the truth is um god knows what he's doing he tells us to submit and and we need to submit i don't like it mm -hmm. um but i think we need to submit mm -hmm. And, and that gives me the rub in another way too. And, and, and I, again, I'm not trying to be whatever, but the Bible is very clear. It talks about, you know, do not murder it, but yet we're to go off to war and kill people. 
you know, first of all, we don't know. We don't know their hearts. We don't know who they're they're being told to kill as well. And you know, I, yeah, I understand war and all that, but it's still it's a human person that you're killing. Yeah. yeah. And it's a real it's a real struggle. And you know, people say, well, you kill or be killed. Well, I, I don't agree with that. I think it's there's something there's a and it's sin. I know I, I understand that it's sin in the world that people are pushing for their own selfish reason. But I think that God gives us a mind and common sense i think we need to do our due diligence especially when we're electing officials that we're going to be required to submit to or be respectful of that we don't put people in that would be um against what we say i think we need to stand as a christian community i think that for a very long time and i'm and i know i'm getting political but we stood back and just say, well, it's all going to be okay. It's all God's will. Whatever happens, happens. And I think, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it's important that we stand because if you, if you aim for nothing, you'll be sure to hit it every time. Mm-hmm. And if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for it every time. Yeah. And I just want to say, I, I should have said this from the forefront, but um, it's hard to read a passage like this without getting political and without it getting tense. I think even because these are very real, real issues we're feeling and facing today and that matter. And so I just want to say, I think as a, as a group here, we've been together, thanks to Anne's reminder, we've been together for over a year, <laughs> just in Romans alone. And uh, I think we, we trust each other. I don't think things are going to get crazy this morning, but I, I did want to just say, hey, let's ask some tough questions of the text and let's really wrestle through this because uh, Ron, I can obviously see in you, this, this is heavy on you. Um, and I think for each of us, these decisions aren't going to become easier in the world we live in. They're becoming more and more difficult and right in our face and we need the Lord's discernment to Romans 12, back to verse two, which Sean highlighted for us to be able to test and discern what is good, pleasing and perfect in God's sight. We need his help in these, these tough, tough decisions. So all that to say, um, I'm okay with today feeling a little tense. Let's, let's lean into it. Um, these are tough conversations. Um, and I, I want to hear the wisdom of the group. So anybody else, what are you as you read these passages, think about our current circumstances, think about the Roman context, as, as Sean just reminded us, under uh, Caesar or Nero's leadership. Um, what do you guys think? If you disarm the society, what you're going to end up with is the people who have the guns will make the rules. They don't care about God. All they care about is power. And they will come and take you and your property and your life in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that that's true, you're not reading history. Mm-hmm. And to Ron's point about um, making a decision whether to take somebody else's life or not, until you get into that situation, you can't, you really can't know what goes on. Mm-hmm. You really can't. So what, what do we do? Stand up and let them just let the other side just take your life? Is that what you do, Ron? That is why that's my point. I, it's, a, it's a rub for me. I don't know. I, 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 I've not put a bit in that situation. And I'm not sure this is the venue for that type of discussion, but I'm just saying that I, 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 I it's a real rub for me. 
Mm-hmm. I think God is very clear. I, I think we as man have created gray. I think God is very black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's your, you know, let your yes be yes, your no be no. There is no, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's an opinion. And that's my own, my interpretation. That's all. Well, why do you own a firearm? I don't. These are uh, these are really tough. Ron knows this is being recorded by the Alexa. No, I, you know I don't anymore. <laughs> I, I, I had to give up all I had to give up all my firearms, mm-hmm. and it's a it's painful. Yeah, but I you know it wasn't anyway. Yeah, Sean, what were you gonna say? I, I was just gonna say these are these are really really tough conversations and and um especially the the firearm one i've had it with a lot of a lot of men that are firearm guys and also um um believers and it's the the responses are just all over the place um i think i think it's tough um you know again we've been we've been raised in a in a environment that says you have these rights freedom of speech what if the, let's not even talk about guns. Let's talk about freedom of speech. What if the government says you can't talk about, I don't they know. They already F- are doing that. <laughs> That's true. Well, I don't know that they're saying that. I think they're putting social pressure on us to maybe not talk about things or, or talk about things they want us to talk about. But I don't know that they're limiting um, freedom of speech at this point, but what happens if they do? Do we submit to that? Or do we, do we say, no, we, we have the right as as uh, as the Constitution um, recognizes to, to say what we want, do we push back against that? And and at what point do we say um, my my desire to speak supersedes the good of everybody else? Yeah, and I wrote down a, a few examples straight from Scripture that would say. Ron, I think even to push back on your thought a little bit that everything, God has made everything black and white. I think also God really, there, there's, there's a lot of gray in our world. S- scripture is clear where it's clear and, and we say it is, it says what it says. But there are, there are decisions in life that require us to depend on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we got to pray and we got to fast and we got to seek the wisdom of community. And um, I, I think some good examples of that um, are in Exodus one, you're going to see the midwives in Egypt choose to go against, uh, the mandate, the rule, the decree of Pharaoh in order to save some of the baby boys, uh, that he had decreed to be drowned in the Nile river. So they go against, um, Pharaoh to save the lives and, and God seems to bless them for that. Um, you see something similar in the Rahab story. You see, I think, some of the best examples of how to honor government, but place God's authority over your government's authority is the book of Daniel. You see uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego saying, we won't bow to your golden image. Um, but they're also not putting up a fight. Um, they, they allow themselves to be thrown into the fire saying, let's see what God will do. I mean, their faith is incredible. Daniel does the same thing of like, Hey, I'm going to pray three times a day because it's honoring to my God. You can throw me in the lion's den. Um, and you know, government have your way, but I'm going to keep praying to God. 
And then in Acts uh, 4 and 5, you see Peter and John caught in similar situations. It's not the government as much as the religious lead, uh, leadership system of the day, but they're told to stop speaking of freedom of speech. They're told to stop speaking about Jesus. Um, just be quiet. And they say, we won't. Um, but but you can tell in, in kind of the way they lay things out. They're like, you can do whatever you want to us, but we're not stop speaking about Jesus. And so I think those are good. I mean, we got to wrestle through that when it comes to, to Sean's point, freedom of, of speech. Um, if the government tells us that we can't talk about Jesus anymore, that's a gray area. But for us, it's it's a clear like, no, we, we keep talking about Jesus, <laughs> right? Um, so anyway, those are just a few examples. We could look at a few more, but I think they require I think, discernment. Yeah. Well, yeah, well I think you're, you're, what you're saying too, Dave, is then but, you know, it had been, I guess it would have been, they would have, they did submit to the authority, Daniel and, and yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Beth, they did submit to the authority. They could have fought and just went yeah. crazy, but they didn't. They sub, they willingly submitted to the authority and allowed themselves to be put into those areas. They, they didn't, yeah. you didn't talk about seeing them fight, fight the guards or, you know, all these other things. They, they did submit. So I think that, I think that is a black and white issue that they, again, because they, they could have just said, oh, we're not going to be, we're not going to allow you to throw us in here, da 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 but they didn't. Mm -hmm. they, they did submit to it. So I think that, I, I'm not sure I, I would agree with that example. What do you mean you don't, you don't agree with the example? With what you're saying, that that's a gray area. I think that they, they could have fought the fact that they, you know, and, and you know, fought mm -hmm. from going into the, the fire or going into the lion's den, but they didn't. They submitted to the authority and allow themselves to be put into that situation, yeah. knowing that God would take care of them. I think that's the I think that's the power of these examples, right? Is it seems with Peter and John, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, Daniel, um, is you see them finding a way to say God's authority means more to us than anything, and yet. Um, our lives mean nothing to us compared to to pleasing God. I think that's that's the distinction I'm trying to make, Ron. Is and I'm not questioning your authority, Dave. Yeah. Or you, no, 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 not at all. I I, I want to have this is good conversation. This is this I wanted to push our discernment, right? And so I like your pushback, Ron. I think it's what we see in these examples is men and women who say. I'll submit to the consequences of human government because I know God has placed them as authorities in my lives, in my life, but I'm going to please God no matter what. And what happens to my life with that decision um, means nothing to me. And that, that's where I would just humbly say, I, I would hope and I pray that I would have that kind of courage too in, in that kind of circumstance. I don't want to brag and say I would for sure, but Lord help me um, if put in that situation to say, I want to please God. I want to submit to government. And that may mean that uh, I, there's, a, there's severe earthly consequences because of that. And I think these men and women knew that and made that choice anyway. So and I think that Paul says it clearly in, in Philippians for, you know, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So mm -hmm. what does he have to, what does he have to lose by dying? Yeah. Nothing. He has everything to gain. Yeah. And so, you know, we, I think it's really easy for us to get really haughty and say that I'll, I'll do whatever needs to be right. done. But when push, when push comes to shove, 
man, you, why, you know, watch out because it's not, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm going to take up my gun. I'll shoot you. That, that type of, it's just, right. I, I think it's really, I think man has created a lot of gray because it's comfortable yeah. mm-hmm. instead of really, it, it's very difficult to be black and white. It's really hard to be because we live in a gray society of compromise. And I, I think I really believe Jesus calls us to be people of non-compromise. I think that yeah. I don't want to compromise on my relationship with Christ. You know, I'll, you know, there's other areas I would be, you know, uh, uncompromising in other areas that, well, that really doesn't apply to me because it's okay. You know, it's, it's, you know, and I'm not being high and mighty because well, believe me, I find comfort in gray, but mm-hmm. I, I don't like that part about myself. Yeah. Ron, it reminds me, I just ran across um, this thought yesterday worldliness is whatever makes righteousness look strange and sin look normal. And that really struck me of like, that is, that is so happening in our world. It's been happening throughout human history is we're really feeling it in our society is um, righteousness is, is being made to look strange and sin is, has been made to look very normal and celebrated. Right. And I think that's what you're saying about gray. I I think maybe you and I could have a longer conversation on what you mean. And I mean by like black and white and gray. Um, But I want to maybe just return and then we can, we can move forward here in the passage, but you know, Ron, you raised some tough questions about war right? What do we do with that or, or abortion as Christians? And so maybe let's, let's circle back to those thoughts um, and then let's keep moving forward. But group, uh, what, what would you say? How do Christians respond when we see um, complete injustice? We see people being oppressed. We see innocent lives being taken. How do we respond as Christians um, to these things? My uh, thoughts go back in this discussion to, uh, you know, uh, the late 1930s and the 40s where the uh, German Christian church um, uh, followed in step with the Nazis Mm. and sometimes facilitated their Mm. treatment against the Jews and gypsies Mm. and blindly watched them being marched into, you know, to be murdered. And so, you know, these, uh, these obviously are tough questions, but um, that should have never have happened. And there were, there were godly people that, you know, risked their own life to, uh, to protect the Jews and take them in and it cost them their lives. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, you, you look at the value of uh, what a person represents as being made in the image of God. It's, it's priceless and mm. and so you know these things are, are very tough um we we have never seen what it, what it looks like to live in you know babylon um to you know live in afghanistan and so these questions are, are hypothetical and theoretical yeah. and so there's um there's going to have to be some, you know, some decisions made. Uh, So the, I think the issue might hinge on the the value that God places in, in human life, you know, go back to, you know, the hiding the children, you know, uh, that we're going to be murdered um, and protecting human life. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but at the same time, do, do you allow uh, someone to break into your home and uh, rape and murder your wife, you know, and say, hey, this, you know, God's going to take out vengeance. What role does a man have to uh, protect his family? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying a firearm is the, the only way you can do it, but, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a baseball bat on, at least be on hand, you know, <laughs> those are, those are things that, you know, we have to grapple with. I, mm. I will tell you, I mean, I kind of divide my world into, and I'm again, just working through this as much as everybody. I, I, I kind of um, look at uh, the situation of violence and everything in, in two, two different aspects. One is the, the world that I live in mm. and that I am, you know, I'm not going to allow my wife to be harmed. I will do anything and everything necessary to stop that. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, if she is beside me and we are, um, uh, you know, we have to choose between, you know, our Christian faith and in other words, if we're threatened by life because we're Christians, mm -hmm. we will hold back. We will do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the rough distinction that I've made. Mm -hmm. I've also made the, the decision to, uh, uh, you know, help the persecuted as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And um, that um, I don't want to look back and say that, uh, much like the church in, in Germany, I, I did nothing mm -hmm. to to uh, protect the innocent, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's kind of where I land. And I don't know, Connie, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think of all of the um, the scenarios that you put forth, Dave. The key was, you know, the just like it says here. In, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. You know, the mindset has to be, the dividing line has to be Christ mm. and whom we serve. Mm. Um, and um, I think that's just, I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think that's just really well said. And I, I just bring this passage before you guys really humbly. My goal was maybe just to ask some tough questions and make us think through it because I think I will spend the rest of my life trying to think through and pray through what this means on a day-to-day -day basis as our world continues to change right in front of us. And so maybe to John and Connie's point, I want to just wrap up with these verses and then we'll, we'll go to the next few in Romans 13. Um, but in Proverbs 31, there's this call that says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And so um, I think this is the Christian struggle, tension, um, and uh, of how, how do we completely submit our lives to these passages of scripture that God has laid out for us to pray for our government, to pray for leaders we have a really hard time respecting and and uh, maybe completely disagree with their policies and, and their way of leadership, but we continue to pray and intercede for them. 
um, and yet at the same time, kind of subversively, um, we are we are working to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. To John's point, um, we don't say, ah, well, whatever's going on in Afghanistan, like that that was God's choice because he put that government in place. No, we say we care about the men, the women, and the children um, and what's happening to them in Afghanistan and all over the world. We care. How do we defend the rights of the poor and needy um, while still continuing to pray for leaders that, we just don't understand why they would be in power. Sean? I was just going to say, as I'm thinking thinking through this, um, or have been thinking through this, I think that the simple answer, and it's the answer simple, but I don't think the process is simple. Um, I think with each decision, um, if we're able to take ourselves out of it and, and social pressure and, and culture, the, the real question that, that it boils down to is what is going to bring glory to God? It's mm-hmm. good. With can each, I, with each decision. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add a commentary to that also regarding war? Um, no nation has a command from God to wage war and God is not handling our battle plans as he did to Joshua, Saul, and David. Yet wars continue to be fought. It is part of a fallen world's existence. The Bible never condemns the actions of a soldier following orders on the battlefield. Mm. There is time and a season for everything, including war. In Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3, it talks about a time for everything. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Anne. I think that speaks really well, full circle to what we said about Genesis is all the war, the injustice, the oppression we see makes us long for justice. So Maybe to John's point about kind of dividing your world a little bit. As Christians, we live in what's been called the already not yet kingdom of heaven, right? Where we long for the day where we get to fully see the realization of Jesus as king of heaven and earth who reigns in justice and righteousness and peace. And there will be no more injustice in our world. So we know that that's true and it will be true for eternity, but we as we long for that, we know we live in this very fallen and broken world where there's still war, there's still injustice, there is not peace. And so, Anne, I think that Ecclesiastes passage says it well. How do we live with that ache for the kingdom of heaven and yet fully in the reality that we're not there yet? Um, and how do we defend the rights of the poor and the needy on the way? So thank you for that, Anne. That's that's well, well said. Well, I, I know that not all answers or questions are answered. Probably more um, questions are, are provoked through a passage like this, but um, we can keep coming back to it. We keep leaning on the Holy Spirit. We keep asking good questions and, and seeking the wisdom of community. Um, would somebody read verses 8 through 10? 8 through 10. <clears throat> Back in Romans 13. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any of the commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Thank you, Connie. Um, you know, I, as I was reading through this and praying through it this week, it, it reminded me of how many good questions we had on the front half of Romans about the law, uh, the purpose of the law. Why, why was the law introduced? And um, I think uh, this gives us a good opportunity to maybe bring that conversation back up um, in light of having experienced the gospel for 12 chapters. Um, and so maybe the question I have for the group here is if Jesus already fulfilled the law, why is, why is Paul talking about, um, fulfilling the law here? So, um, why, why is Paul even bringing up the language of love fulfills the law? If Jesus has already accomplished and fulfilled the law, what's that mean for you and me? I think it's really important to make that distinction about the law, um, as we move forward. Well, I think that um, he, I think he's alluding to the, obviously what Jesus said, you love your, you love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, with all your strength and neighbor as yourself. And that is um, the law of uh, the new law, the, full, the total new law that Jesus had said and um, not taking that as a legal Mm -hmm. uh, you know the law is you know written in law but it is a law upon your heart and that the reality is uh, only in Christ can anybody come close to doing that mm -hmm. and you're joining in with with Jesus when he fulfilled the law uh, uh, and the commandments we're partakers of that also mm -hmm. that's just a thought yeah that's good any other thoughts on that Or go ahead, Sean. I was just, I was just thinking, um, like, um, he, he's using love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. I think, and again, simple statement, probably not easy to execute, but yeah. love really is justice. Hmm. Like love requires justice and not, I'm not talking about love from God to us, but love for one another. Like, um, as John was saying, if, if, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to, to treat him, um, or, uh, sin against him. You're going to treat him as you would yourself. So I would say that love, love is justice. It, it requires justice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just so important. The reason I wanted to highlight that question, I know we've, we've asked and talked a lot about the law. And I think one of the most important things for a follower of Jesus is to create that clear distinction that we've all fallen short of the purpose and the standard of the law. Jesus has fulfilled it on, on our behalf. To John's point, as Jesus summarized all 613 laws of the Old Testament, into two to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and others more than yourself. Jesus lived that out 
perfectly while here on earth, obediently submitting to the will of the Father, led by the Holy Spirit. He loved God and he loved people um, more than himself while, while here on earth. And so that has been fulfilled. All our shortcomings has been fulfilled. So now we don't say, okay, now I got to go back and I got to fulfill the law. No, it's, it's very clear that that's been fulfilled. It's one of the most powerful things of Jesus on the cross saying it is finished. And Hebrews picks up on that idea and says once and for all, uh, we don't have to keep going back into the temple and sacrificing more lambs and paying for more sins. It is finished. The law is fulfilled. Our sins have been paid for. And so we don't go back to the law and try and fulfill it. It's finished. But now we are given the ability through the work of Jesus and the presence of his Holy Spirit um, to begin to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and others more than ourselves. And so we live from that fulfillment, not for the fulfillment. And I think the key line that stuck with me for years, we really saw in the book of Titus, was that we're not saved by good works, but for good works. So the good work has already been done by Jesus. And now we walk in those good works, which Ephesians tells us God has prepared in advance for us to do. And so now uh, it's only because of the free gift of God that we even have the ability to love. As John says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. So even the ability to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others is a gift from him. And as we live that out uh, with his help, by his grace, um, it's, it's salvation's taken care of, but now we're walking in the goodness of, of God's ways. So just so important for us to make that distinct distinction. Otherwise, um, you know, you'll, you'll see Paul writing to the, the Galatians and different churches that are, have slipped back into a law mindset of, I got to, you know, I got to do this, 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 this in order um, to be right with God. And we know that's, that's not true. The law has been fulfilled. So, so important for us to make that distinction. Any other thoughts on that um, this morning? I'm going to go guys. I'll talk to you all later. Okay. All right. See you, Ron. Thank you. Praying, praying for your trip. Thank you. Um, and I, I want to maybe just close out there. Um, and, and maybe Sean, we can just ask the questions. We haven't asked them in a while of, of what we studied, at least these 10 verses today, what's it teach us about God, who he is and, and how we respond as, as humans. Cause I, I want to spend more time. Um, there's some really good meat in 11 through 14. So I'm going to save some of that for next week. Um, but what would you guys say, uh, maybe in our last few minutes here, um, these first 10 verses of Romans 13, our conversation, uh, what's this show us about who God is, what he's like, and then also how do we respond, um, as humans made in his image? My first thought is, um, his ways are not our ways. Mm. You know me, Dave, goes back to Colossians 3. Yeah. All about Jesus. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Colossians 3. You guys have that one stuck in my brain. 
Good. Well, um, yeah, let's, let's pause there. Um, if anybody has any thoughts, throw them in there. But um, yeah, I, I, at least for me, as I look at the first seven verses, it, it, it drives me to a place of dependence of Lord, I need you. And it feels more real than ever um, that we're going to need a whole lot of discernment and courage um, that we're going to be put in places where we need to submit to our government, but, but in a greater way, submit to God, um, and to have the courage of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, Peter, and John, ultimately Jesus. And I know I don't have that in myself. And so I'm asking the Holy spirit to prepare me, um, with discernment and with courage uh, for these types of moments that seem like they're going to become more and more real. And then verses eight through 10, it just fills me with a gratitude knowing how um, I have no chance of fulfilling the law in my own strength. I have no chance of loving God with my heart, soul, mind, strength, and love others more than myself because I still love myself more than I love other people. But with the Holy Spirit within me, who has removed my hard heart of stone and given me a new heart and, uh, and the gift of uh, knowing a God who's loved me first. Um, just the, the beauty of knowing it's a gift to even be able to love God. It's a gift to even be able to begin to love others more than myself. And so just a gratitude there that um, it's all his grace from start to finish, even the ability to love something and, and someone more than myself. So I'm going to pray for us. Uh, we'll, we'll call it a morning here. And um, Father, we, we love you. And uh, Lord, I, um, I know that these first seven verses and some of the passages we look at can sit a little heavy. They can stir us and kind of provoke um, within us a, a, a sense of even anxiety of, Lord, what do we do? But Lord, I, I pray that we'd rest in you. Jesus, we thank you for your example. You were mistreated, and yet you continued to lay down your life to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And even us, your enemies, you made us friends by laying down your life for us. And so we want to follow your example, Jesus. We need your help. We need your discernment. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd make us a people um, with hearts that love God, um, and with hearts that love others more than ourselves. And we trust that, that you will give us the courage, you'll give us the wisdom and the discernment day by day um, to follow you, to pray for our leaders, but ultimately to want to please you as our ultimate authority, our just judge. And we thank you for the mercy you've given us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Appreciate you all. We'll pick up in Romans 13, verse 11 through the rest of the chapter next week. See you guys. All right. See you guys. Bye.